what a day. What a lovely day! Hello and welcome to episode 184 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is still most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the shiny and chrome. This week we're going to be talking about Mad Max Fury Road on your We Are Not Things podcast. I'm so excited about this one. I am really so excited. This is one of the best films I have ever, ever seen. Are you for real right now? (laughs) I am totally for real. This is... Oh my god. (laughs) Okay. So, So I had not seen the Mad Max films before seeing this. I, you know, knew generally what it was about, had seen bits of it, knew the, you know, two men enter, one men leave type thing, had seen Tina Turner doing her thing in Beyond Thunderdome, and so on. Uh, But I'd never actually watched the films, I didn't know what the story was. So, seeing a new Mad Max film come out, I was like, ah, I'm not bothered. Saw the trailer at whatever film we saw earlier in 2015, and went, oh, that really doesn't look very good. Oh, Mm -hmm. I don't want to see that. And then it came out. And then it got it got critical praise and plaudits, mm-hmm. people you know raving about it. But particularly, and this is sort of the the shape of how I treat movies ever since. Everyone was talking about it a little bit, like I said with John Wick. Suddenly, everyone was going, "Oh wow, that film is actually something quite special." Yes, I do remember it was everywhere that year, mm. and I didn't watch it. It was an active choice not to watch it. Okay. Largely because I had not seen any of the original Mad Max movies and I thought it was a continuation. Okay. And that I would need to have seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you assured me that I did not. Well, I didn't. So if I didn't, I don't think you did. Okay. Um, so now I have seen this movie. And I know you're so excited to want to talk about it as well. <gasps> No. <laughs> Do you think it would have helped seeing any of the others? Has it hindered you? I I don't know because I still don't know what the originals well, are about. Like, I, I, I don't know. The things that I don't like about this movie, I don't think would have been fixed by knowing more things about this no. world. No. The, the thing you need to know is post-apocalyptic road warriors driving around being... Fairly savage, and Mad Max is a loner, and his family died, and other people died. He had adventures. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it gives you enough of that just in watching the film. Okay, sure. Part of my problem with the film mm-hmm. is that the world building is not very good. Mm, you're wrong. From, I'm from sorry, my perspective. No, no. It nope. drops you in the middle of a complete world that the, that the reader audience mm-hmm. is completely unfamiliar with and doesn't tell you anything about it. Okay. We don't know why it's that way. We don't know, like, what is 
and Morton Joe actually doing besides withholding water from everybody? Why are the war boys the way they are? Mm-hmm. Why do they have half-lives and why do they need blood from full-lives? Why are they super, super pale? Like, I don't understand this world. Okay. Why does he have women locked up that he's breeding? Okay. I mean, most of that doesn't matter. But it it does. You know, when it... The point of the movie is that, that Furiosa is risking everything to get these women away from that life, and they're trying to go somewhere better. Mm-hmm. It helps to understand more about why. Okay. And the only thing that I have is Immortan Joe is clearly a terrible human being. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I don't know anything else. Can, can we put over it the story of ruthless and terrible men rise to power and 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 you know the line is in there. It's pretty on the nose, but treats people as things. And that's mm-hmm. where evil starts, according to Terry Pratchett. Um, so it's all terrible. He's trying. He maintains power and has a, in inverted commas, decent life compared to everyone else that he's keeping subjugated for the keeping of power in, you know, the analogue of other resources on this planet that people hoard in much the same way, mm-hmm. whether it's wealth, whether it's oil, whether it's land. Okay. I mean, I, I don't have any more answers than you do on these. Right. Offs. It just it didn't matter to you. But I'm just like, oh, okay. So this is and watching it back now. This is the difference. Watching it five years later, like, if this had come out 2017, 2018, 2019, we'd be like, oh, it's a bit heavy on the you know, terrible people in charge analogy. <laughs> The fact it's a year and a half before that, and obviously was there, therefore being made even before that, it's just, right. you know, and and his most loyal supporters are just people he has indoctrinated into mm-hmm. believing that he is this great thing and should be believed and that a look from him will speed them to the afterlife in a great way. Right. It's amazing this was 2015. and just... I mean, it feels like a... I don't know. That feels like a standard plot tropey thing. Mm, something me. we've had a lot more of, certainly on TV in the last few mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So, mm. I think this movie did not feel super novel to me. It didn't feel okay. like it was groundbreaking. Okay. And it frustrated me. I don't think it had enough story to. Support two hours. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm not actually sure it had story at all, to tell you the truth. Um, it wanted to, but it didn't. I absolutely think it does. Of course you do. You love this yeah, movie. Like, and, and, you know, we are very civil on this podcast. You know, we listen to each other's things, we engage in discussion on it, and we, and we talk about it. There are bits here where I'm like, I really wish I'd told you. This is uh, this might be the first one since we had that conversation ages ago. I wish I'd told you just to watch it. Because oh, okay. I think there is a thing in here. And, and, and uh, Catherine actually said this. It, because it's a film you experience, this might be the re- the reason it works so well at the cinema. Okay. Well, one of the things... I, I mean, you're right. You could say it's not groundbreaking 
generally. I mean, there is stuff in this that I would say, like, yeah, people didn't do that. Certainly at this time. It's it's doing some clever things. But the fact that it is effectively non-stop, there's very few moments where they take a breath, where, where something is not happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, the only real moment where that happens is when they get to the green place. And you find out it's not the green place. Up until that, right. even even when they stop and they're they're, you know, they think they're away from everything, that's when Max catches up with Furioso, and you then have their fight. And then when they break down, you then have them trying to get out before everyone behind them starts shooting them. Right. You know, it is it is non-stop, pretty much two hours of action, car chase, fights, shooting, all sorts going on, and yet within that, you've got. Two key character arcs, people we don't know before this, learning and experiencing and going through something, if not Max himself. I'm not sure about that. Max is, I think, just a generic wandering hero. Um, as well as the story of this civilization, this community, and what they go through, this this you know sort of overthrowing of the dictator. I think you're being generous, but okay. Okay. I mean, they definitely overthrew the di- dictator. They did, yes. Mm-hmm. But that the idea for that didn't even happen until like an hour and 45 minutes into this movie. Right? That's why it's <laughs> so good. So so the hero let's let's talk the hero's journey, which we have very rarely talked because I think it's rubbish. Frankly. Okay. Frankly, this whole thing of the idea of the hero's journey, which if I thought really hard I could tell you who wrote it. Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Very well done. Thank you. Good pull. One of those two. Um, the idea that you are a hobbit living in the Shire. You are a small boy or a, you know, a young boy on a farm. The furthest point from anywhere in the galaxy. And you get called to adventure. And you go and you meet an old wizard, generally. <laughs> Some old man who tells you to do things. And you go through lots of things. And then you return to where you started, and you are transformed. You are different in some way. And particularly it's that return that shows you the journey and the difference you've been on and allows you to complete something you couldn't have completed had you stayed where you were. Correct. Okay? Okay. So we are fully in the hero's journey in this. Except you don't know it's a hero's journey until you get to the end. You're like, oh, wow, this is Furiosa's hero's journey. This is her story about... Trying to get away, trying to get back to what, where she came from. And clearly she has risen through the ranks to become such a key general in this army, this civilization. But she's trying to rescue these women that she herself is separate from. The film is doing everything in its power to tell you Furiosa is different from these women. Mm-hmm. She has no hair. She has an arm missing. She is heavily masculine in the way she's coded, mm-hmm. they're heavily feminine. She, even when they're driving, because she's in the front, they're in the back, they're lit in colour. She's often in whatever the colour of the landscape is, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to separate her, but she wants to save them and be the hero for them. And then as she goes on and has that moment where you say they realise, oh, we could turn around and go back. It's like, oh, this is the hero's journey. She's the hero of the story, not Mad Max, whose name is in the title. Um... And she's going to do something cool. And they do it with such a plumb. <laughs> Important Joe sees them driving and is like, Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Why are you going back? Do they wish to surrender? 
They're heading for the canyon. They're going back to the citadel. They know it's undefended. <laughs> and they want to jump in the cars and do the same car chase that opened up the story, but going in the opposite direction. That's wonderful. That's great. That's so exciting. With a guy with a flamethrower spiky guitar. Oh my god, that guitar. Amazing. Hey, That poor guitar, dude. Like, like so when he first showed up, I told Joseph, I said, if I had to go to war, that's the job that I want. Right. Minstrel. But, <laughs> Bard. But then you had that whole section where he just, like, got rammed and flung around yeah. everywhere. But then he just picked up the guitar and kept going, dude. Brilliant. Amazing. Crazy. That's what you take time for. Do you remember during the Solstice of Heroes, the elemental charges, and if you got 30 of them, it, it had an effect on you? Mm-hmm. And the solar one was lots of fire coming off you. Yes. And you know I've got the emote that is playing a guitar. <laughs> During things like the escalation protocol, I would jump on the top of the pylon and <laughs> get the elemental charge going <laughs> and just be doing this thing up there. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. I know no, no one else gets it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if any other Destiny 2 players are listening, they'll get it. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> Okay. So that's Furiosa. That's, you know, you know I, I love that there is this whole thing with her and what she goes through and, and, you know, the fact that she is a different person than all these men who are subjugating everyone. She is loved. So that allows her to sort of lead this very, very brief overthrow of the ruling regime when they mm-hmm. get back there. But you also have Knox, Nicholas Holt. Now, I have a lot of time to, for Nicholas Holt, so... You know, it's good to have him in the film in the first place. Okay. But his rule of three moment about witness me and looking at me and leading me to Valhalla and the journey he goes on about learning about being kind rather than following Immortan Joe and being cruel and expecting an early life and sacrificing for others and so on. I mean, it's it's really emotional, his ending. I think I think, certainly for me, because I was so in it, it works really well. His final thing where he is looking at the women mm-hmm. and, and he's not screaming anymore. He's not spraying his, his mouth chrome and shiny. He just looks at them as he's crashing and he just goes, witness me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. I would say that his arc was probably the best of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because you did mm-hmm. see him experience compassion from the wives Mm -hmm. the wives ability to show that kind of compassion because they understood the kind of man and morton joe was and how he had manipulated people to become who they were right Mm. and so the wives knew that he was just a victim and so particularly the redheaded one i don't know any of the wives names one was like absolutely the the dag or the i don't know (laughs) But she was so kind to him, and that kindness is what caused him to essentially switch sides, Mm -hmm. but still be a follower. Yeah. Like, he switched his allegiance from Immortan Joe to Furiosa and the women. Mm Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant. And and for, for certainly the two of them, but particularly his, I think, to come... Uh, he, he's another one. He gets a moment of quiet where he's talking to the wife who takes pity on him and shows him compassion. But in general, his learning is through moments of action. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he lands on the side of Morton Joe, Joe's car and, and Morton Joe says, I will carry you to Valhalla myself. And when he jumps and doesn't quite make the jump that he wants to do, and Morton Joe is like, mediocre, and drives off. And the disappointment in him. You know, it's it's integrated into the action. This mm-hmm. film is just breathless in giving you action whilst integrating these stories and these characters, which is done so rarely. Brilliant. Love it. I'm so glad you love this movie. <laughs> and then it's about, you know, women rescuing themselves from these terrible men and the oppositions of seeds. I don't think, I, until this watch, I don't think I'd picked up on the point about seeds. There's the line of someone called bullets anti-seeds. You plant them and something dies. Mm. And you've got, um, if you picked up on it, Naranti from Farscape as the seed carrier. Do you remember the witch with the third eye? Crichton! Oh, ah, damn. It is bad. Never bathe, never bathe. Not yet. Wash yourself the juice. That's more than I want to know. Yeah, yeah, okay. She was the seed carrier. She's the one who grabs a bullet and plants it in the guy's head when he attacks them. Mm-hmm. And there's the thing about them trying to go to the green place, taking the seeds back. You've obviously got them... As women, you know, mother's milk and life bringers, they are pregnant. They're the ones who bring life. Everyone else brings death. So it's got that sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, black and white shades of grey type thing going on. In what should be a ridiculous, crappy car chase movie. I mean, the first Mad Max films, the first three are not good. I know we've got at least one listener who's probably screaming at me right now because she recommended I watch them and I did watch them. And Abby, they're not good. <laughs> Over and above the fact they're Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, this is a ridiculous, crappy car chase movie, Matthew. But it's got character and emotion. The The thing that tells me it works, certainly it works for me, is that even by the point where it is their truck against Morton Joe's car, when someone is pulled off, when someone is shot, when something like sudden in the action happens i'm still gasping i'm still like (gasps) you know when something happens to anyone someone gets stabbed in the side someone gets shot in the you know whatever is happening i only did that once okay um and it was when one of the wives was hanging on the side of the truck Mm -hmm. and they got sideswiped and the other truck blew up and we thought she went with it but it turned out she had managed to swing between yep the truck and the rig Mm mm-hmm and she was fine. But when I thought she was dead, that I had like that audible gasp. That yeah. is the only moment in the movie oh. that I did that. No, all, all the way through. Anytime that something happens to someone, it's just, it, it's got me. I'm into it. And and it's surprising. The thing, it was interesting coming after we watched the newest Terminator film. I love the first two Terminator films very much. Mm-hmm. This is a good Terminator 3, finally. But. It tries to escalate, it tries to start off escalating stuff that happened in previous Terminators and then escalate itself throughout, which means it's just big bombastic action for most of it. Whereas what works in the first two Terminators is that it's slow action. It's thriller being chased. It's John Wick. You know, you're being chased and you can't get away from it. You you said John Wick reminded you of the Terminator. That's what makes the first Terminator feel. Whereas this new one was just constant action and and trying to one-up itself as it went along. Mm, And I don't feel Mad Max suffers from doing that. I think it's good the way it does that. But partially it's because it differentiates all its set pieces. That first set piece is just the open desert. 
So they're driving and, and doing just car stuff. And then you've got them in rocks. And then you've got them in the blue with the mud. And everyone's, you know, driving slow and not able to see things. And it's mm-hmm. weird because of that. And then you've got um, the bright, shiny red when they finally arrive in what should be the green place. But it's all red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it differentiates each of its set pieces, I think, quite nicely. Okay. But the action just works. Just, It's great. I don't want to yuck your yum. So I'm so <laughs> glad that you love it. That's all I can say is I, I did not enjoy it. Like, I feel like that was a super waste of two hours. Oh, no. No. Like, I, That's I, not true. I, yeah. <laughs> So um, I wanted to share with you. So I posted about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And all I said on Twitter was. I hate this film and it's the worst film ever. <laughs> no, no, no. I said, y'all, Mad Max Fury Road is one of the weirdest things I have ever seen. Okay. That's all I said. And I got a response from Miss Julia Morizawa, mm-hmm. who we had on the show way back when we did The Perks of Being, Perks being Wallflower. Absolutely. And she said, my husband and I are the only people I know who hated, all caps, hated Mm. that movie. Mm. And I asked her if she could elaborate. You know, because at this point, I posted it. I wasn't even done with the movie yet. Okay. Like, I was just in this, like, what am I watching? And I didn't read her response until I was done. Okay. Okay. And so I went back um, and I looked. This, This is what she had to say. She said, you know, it's been several years, so I don't quite remember But about 15 to 20 minutes in, we looked at each other and we're like, should we just stop? Both of us being people who generally sit through a movie till the end. I remember it being really boring, like a too long car chase with no plot and super campy, but not comedic, like no emotional connection because it was so over the top, but still trying to be a dramatic film. Also, I found it frustrating that the end of the story was like, we came all this way, but actually where we need to be is where we started the story, so if we had just stayed put, we would have been good. Unless there's some kind of character development or growth, I'm not a fan of stories that end where they started. And I think she has articulated a lot of what I was feeling about this movie. Okay. You guys, I wish you could see the look on, on, on Matthew's face right now. He is... I mean, the fact it ends up where they started, but because of what they've been through, it allows them to actually... Because t- they couldn't just have stayed at the beginning. They couldn't have said, I know. you know, we need to stay here because it's great because we're being raped by this guy and these women are being milked. Oof. But because of their attempt, they actually overthrow the regime. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And and even those moments where they go and overthrow the re- regime and all the men who serve in Morton Joe are like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? They're, they're here and Morton Joe's dead. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And the decision is taken away from them by the people. These men holding on to their power. It is the mm-hmm. kids who come and release the thing and start everything working again so that they can let them up mm-hmm. and, and, and take over again. And it's just... It's a wonderful moment, but you couldn't just have stayed there at the beginning. Right. So I do understand that you they couldn't have just stayed there, but I feel like there wasn't there wasn't character development in either Max or Furiosa. Max, I would agree with you. Max, whilst yes, he does impact the story. 
And I think they forced that by him being the one to realize to say, like, hey, let's turn around and go back. Mm-hmm. But by and large, and, and I'm saying this partially because this is one of the complaints of a significant character in this new Terminator film. Um, by and large, he's just kind of useful there. I, and mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not writing off what he does while he's there, but arguably you could take a lot of him out of the film. Fine. Yeah. Um, he certainly had almost no dialogue in the film. Which is great. Which is great. Love a character who doesn't speak, but you still get so He's much from like, him. <gasps> Wonderful. Um, Fu- oh, Furios is so hard. She clearly is a leader and a general. She is trying everything to get away, but she's trying to get away to the place she comes from. That mm-hmm. is this shining moment in her memory. And it's it's not character growth. But the moment where she goes down on her knees screaming in the desert is haunting and beautiful and emotive as anything. It's not character growth. And I don't know whether you could say she has character growth, but she has character. Okay. She is someone I enjoyed seeing on the screen and, and seeing that she is effectively Max in a number of ways. But not at the same time she's made other decisions or she's made the same decisions as him and now she's making new decisions to help people to try to get away to use her position to get away Mm -hmm. Mm. she's an interesting character and and interesting because we don't get enough about her like like not knowing enough it it makes me want to be there and find out more great all right Mm. Can I tell you what Joseph said about this movie? Yeah, no. Well, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you. So, he tends to watch everything with you, I think. Mm-hmm. Joseph and I are quite similar in a few ways. Mm-hmm. We, we like a lot of the same sort of things. I, I'm pretty confident that guy likes this film. Oh, he loves it. Yeah, damn right. Because it's a great it. film. It's one of the greatest action films ever made. So... <laughs> I asked him, I said, can you tell me why? Like, what about this movie makes you love it? And he looked at me, and with complete, absolute sincerity, this is not sarcasm whatsoever, he means this. He said, it's a feel-good movie. It's the same reason you love Hallmark movies. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Go on. I, I, I thought he was kidding. I was like, are you serious? You just compared Mad Max Fury Road to Hallmark movies? And he said, yes. He's like, they they overthrow him. They come back. She saves the women. The people are getting water. Like, it's a feel-good movie. They win. Yeah. Uh, you love your rom-coms, your Hallmark movies, because they have tropes and moments and things you expect that make you happy as you watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah? This is an action film. So it has completely different tropes and things. Mm-hmm. And whilst not necessarily groundbreaking, it's still doing all the stuff other things do at the best level it can do them. You know, car chases have never been this good, I think, in end times. The two of them on the front of the, the trucks sucking down some sort of gasoline chemical mm-hmm. and spitting it into the engine to drive faster. I've never seen that. Never seen that. And it's amazing to watch. And then they managed to swap over doing it. It's a small moment, but there's just things like that all the way through. Because it's so breathless, it just has so much time to put these things on. The the giant swinging arm mm-hmm. things that they come in, and they use the swinging arm things coming in with 
guns and with knives. And then they come in with a chainsaw and then they just come in and grab the women out of there. And then he ends up on one of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're using all this action in stuff that's not necessarily been seen before in a way that is never seen done certainly as well as this. So, so I can I can absolutely see that analogy of like, this is the sort of film I like to see, and it's doing it to turned up to eleven. <laughs> I will I will say I agree with you visually. Visually, it was done really well. Mm-hmm. The effects were great, be they practical or special effects. They Almost were fantastic. All practical. There is very little computer work in this. That's what George Miller does. This right. was guys in the desert driving around swinging on bars doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, all of that was wonderful. I think my big complaint with it is it was too much action and not enough story. Okay. Like I wanted more story. I wanted to be emotionally invested in these characters and I wasn't. Okay. I was never emotionally invested in Furiosa. I was more invested in the wives and Knox. Okay, yep. Than anybody else. And we still hardly got any of them. Mm. I didn't care when the one died and her baby died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I just, the movie didn't give me a reason to. Okay. Other than from the perspective of these are people, not things. Which is a universal truth, Mm -hmm. right? But I needed a reason to care about why I'm watching this car chase through the desert. Okay. I think I get that from from that moment where he realizes they've gone and you see these breeding chambers and milking chambers. And then finally you see the woman and they have scrawled on the wall, we are not things. And this mm-hmm. old woman who's clearly helped them escape but not gone with them or had to stay or whatever is still trying to shoot him and take him down. This is, this is the moment they're turning and doing something. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, oh... This guy's awful. Yes, of course they want to get away. And you understand it. And they are, like I say, the the film does everything in the lighting and the costuming and the styling and all of it. That these women are delicate, for want of a better word, a, a non-gendered word. Mm-hmm. The, Vulnerable. Vul- yes, absolutely. In In the way that Max and Furiosa are hard and seasoned and... Mm-hmm capable in this world these women are not suited to this world but at the same time should be allowed to experience it and should be mm-hmm. not just treated like things because they're the pretty ones right yeah ah 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 it's just because <laughs> even as we're talking i'm just remembering stuff that it does and, and you know, filling in little gaps about, you know, who's related to whom, the, the, some of the, like, setup of the different characters that we're seeing. And there's one who, Immortan Joe obviously controls the water, is what it mm-hmm. seems. There's the guy who controls the bullets. There's the guy who controls the petrol. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, men hoarding their things and going after these women because the women cannot be allowed to escape. But just all the little stories about the women who they do meet and still want to help them and ride against them and are capable in their own way. You know, the oh, what was her name? The the lady who played Naranti. Um, Melissa Jaffa. Where she talks about shooting people. She's like, of course, I shoot everyone I ever met and I killed them. Shot them straight. What did she say? Something like shot them through the slanger. <laughs> Something like, <laughs> you know, a proper um, Aussie is she term. The one, 
Is she the one who also said one man, one bullet? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It's, just, it's so good. It's so good. And it's beautiful. Like you say, it's beautiful the way it's shot. This is the one we talked. It might even be like episode 20. <laughs> Dead Poet Society. I think this is the mm-hmm. cinematographer from Dead Poet Society. And he came out of retirement to do this film. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rain Man, Dead Poet Society, Gorillas in the Mist, in, in the Mist, Witness, um, The American President, The English Patient. I mean, The English Patient is a very good analogue to this in some of that. But then City of Angels, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Cold Mountain Spanglish, blah, 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 blah. Five-year gap, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> you know, one of the most beautiful films. Where he it was, it did have like nice camera angles and things like that. Mm. It did. He was nominated for best cinematography for this film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Matthew, you are just gushing and gushing and gushing. But you're all going to love it? this film by the end of this. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. But I am so glad you do. I'm so glad. I love it when you get this excited, and you don't often get this excited. I, I about we have been holding off on this one mm-hmm. for, for various reasons. One of which I wasn't sure you'd like it. Um, one of which it is a great film, a great film that I'm not sure I have the all the vocabulary to discuss right. in half an hour without sitting down and taking notes in some of the same way you did. But going, we need to discuss that. We need to discuss that. We need to discuss the fact that Max's journey. In this, and he doesn't really have a journey or an arc or anything, but his journey of being captured, being turned into a blood bank, blood bag. Oh, you know, he's on front of the car and hooked up to someone by intravenous tube. Um, finally escaping. But he's holding these women hostage whilst they are all trying to escape together. And gradually they learn to trust each other. And there's, there's not a moment of... You know, they're holding guns at each other and you can see the sweat dripping down and one of them decides to put them down and blah, blah, blah. There's a moment where something needs fixing on the truck. And he says, I'll go. And he just climbs out and fixes it and then comes back and holds a gun on them again. Right. And, and that's the moment at which it's like, okay, they're all in this together because he's helping mm-hmm. them. And But even so, he crawls, you know, he's still holding a gun on them when they get to the rock place and he's crawls into the, the under bit of the truck with them. That's novel. That's something I don't think you see anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. I think I would have said that the moment where they were really trusting each other was when he, the engine overheated. Mm -hmm. And so they've stopped and they're working on the cooling the engine and he goes to lay traps Mm -hmm. for the people who are pursuing them. And Furiosa asks him, what do we do if you're not back when the engines are cooled? And he says, you go on without me. Right. Right. I feel like that was the turning point for the two of them. Okay. But maybe it, there was definitely thawing before that. Mm. Yeah, I can absolutely Um, see that as the point where they are, right, they're now allies. mm -hmm. But there's the point where he's holding a gun on them, but he still says, no, I'll go out and do it. Whereas a, a lesser film, a less confident film would have had debates over who does it or oh i need one of these women to come with me as a hostage and mm-hmm. no, he just goes and does it yeah and just fixes okay. the thing and comes back and so on yeah mm-hmm. 
So is that one of your favorite moments? It's, it's one of my favorite aspects. The, the the whole thing with him and you know like I say it's beautiful so that's all good I think every performance in this is absolutely sterling I think I think Tom Hardy you know Mel Gibson is not so taciturn growly okay. as as Tom Hardy I, from memory you know he becomes more so as it goes on because he's supposed to become hard man and grizzled against the road and so on um but I do love that he is now just someone who just doesn't waste words. And and when he has to speak, the bit where he does come to them and he says something about strikes me as, you know, you want to find home, then this is where you need to go to home. There's some ums in there and he's not sure what he's saying to her. And he gets the concept. He doesn't know how to articulate it. Mm-hmm. He's not quite a Mary. He's a bit of a Mary Sue, to be honest with you, but he's not quite a Mary Sue. He's not also <laughs> hyper intelligent and able to elaborate on everything he talks about and wants to say and he's good in a fight and he's good with cars yeah Mm. yeah so question so Mm -hmm. in this movie i guess max is more of our narrator Mm. than anything else it's not his story but we start the movie with his voiceover so we're kind of seeing things through his timeline Mm. yeah right the originals Mm. Are they Mac? Are they about Max? Yeah. So the first one is the world is in a sort of post-apocalyptic thing, but civilization has not broken down. He is part of a sort of highway patrol police force that has okay. some of this, you know, cars beating each other up and so on. Okay, so uh, that's what he meant when he said it used to be a cop. Yeah, exactly. But then, with each progressive film, society has degraded further. Okay. And and you get beyond Thunderdome where it is, you know, um is that the one with Bartertown? They've got this this sort of market where everyone goes and trades everything and tries to get things, but then it turns out people are being kidnapped and Tina Turner's making people fight in the Thunderdome and all sorts. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um and then in this you have this, you know, weird civilizations out in the desert. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I will say I did get emotionally invested enough that I was going to be very upset if Furious had died. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's all I can say. I think it would have felt like a big, we'd been conned or robbed or something if she had died in all this. Yeah. Like, if Max had died, that would have been fine. If this mm-hmm. is the moment he gives his life finally to rescue everyone. And, you know, he tries. He absolutely tries, to, mm-hmm. to the extent he ends up giving blood again to try right. to save everyone. And, you know, the, the exactly where you said he goes out to put down traps and then comes back covered in blood, except it's not mm-hmm. his blood. Always right. good. Always good in an action movie. I always enjoy that moment. <laughs> We've seen it in <laughs> diehard films and other sorts of the, it's not my blood, don't worry. Right. <laughs> Great. That's a hard yeah. man moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, yeah, Charlize Theron. Think of Charlize Theron, who is beautiful and and capable and charming. She is a very good speaker on a number of different issues and, and things. Mm-hmm. And she models for all these sorts. And you think of, she won the Oscar for Monster, didn't she? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, the performance in that where people credited her, you know, changing her look and giving this performance that you wouldn't have expected from her. And I think this is up there. I think 
you know, the shaved head, the missing arm, the sort of, you know, truck driver thing that she's doing, whilst mm. also shooting and grabbing people out of trucks. And it's it's stunning. It's a great performance. It's it was such an interesting character that would have been easy to do either too feminine, Sigourney Weaver and Alien, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. or too... I'm going to use the word... Well, no, let's use the word masculine. And make her go, really? She's a blokey thing, and that's how she's surviving in this. I think she threads that... Yeah, but I think she threads that needle. Mm-hmm. Geezer. That was the one you wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> A few weeks ago. Good geezer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... I mean, she's clearly... She's clearly a woman, but they have delineated her from the wives Mm. right they've made her look different like you said she's in the front she's always lit differently Mm -hmm. she's darker you know she's the one who you know has the hidden knife and yeah um you know she's the one who can with her fake arm hold tom hardy (laughs) by the foot so he doesn't fall yep brilliant right brilliant (laughs) Um, but they also did give her, like you said, character. They gave her depth mm. because she had hope. She lost hope, and then she regained hope, mm. which does show a depth of character that mm. we, you know, we didn't get that kind of character from a Morton Joe, no. for example, no, or the People Eater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. And and okay. and even a Morton Joe. Is, I mean, you're right. It's pretty one note doing these mm-hmm. awful things, but you can see the way he leads and is doing all these things, and he's not—he's not stupid. No, he he's a, not stupid. He has a passion because he treats thing these people as things, so that's why he's going after his things. But he clocks what they're doing when he sees them going back and. He's the one who has control over all the water. He must be capable, you would say. Right. Mm. Or I, he surrounded himself with very capable people. Well, absolutely. His his son, who's a giant over everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything else to say about okay. it. <laughs> and then there's a guitar that spurts flame with a spike there's on the a end guitar. of it. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I really want to go back and watch it. I should have done this. I really want to go and watch the trailer again. Because I, I can remember being at the cinema. I wonder what it was. It feels like a sort of X-Men Wolverine type film. We would have seen mm-hmm. it head off. Maybe even like an MCU film. And just going, oh no, that looks awful. And and I'll, I'll tell you what it might be. The cinematography in this. And, and I think some of this comes more from the director than the cinematographer. Cinematography in this has a number of camera tricks to it number of ways of filming that make it look unusual, which I think work in the film. I'm not sure they work in the trailer. Either they're not in the trailer and they elevate the film, or they are in the trailer and it's like, that list looks terrible. It's things like, particularly when they're doing the really close-up stuff, the, the bit where he's escaping at the beginning in the tunnels, I think they've either cut frames out of that, Or they've sped it up ever so slightly because the motion is slightly weird 
everyone's just slightly too manic. And it's either like they're jerky with, you know, a frame missing here or there, or it's, it's a little too fast. Mm-hmm. And it's things like that all the way through, just different ways of filming and shooting the moment that it's like, oh, they're doing something here. They want me to experience this or think about this in a different way because it's not just we've put a camera on it and recorded it to film and now you're watching it back. Yeah. And I like that. I I, I wonder if that's maybe... Because the, the bit that's particularly coming to mind is I can remember watching the bit where all the wind is swirling and it's all gone red around them. And you see Nicholas Holt driving and he goes, what a lovely day. What a lovely day. What a lovely day. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a trailer moment. Right. But in the trailer, it was like, oh, this looks awful. Oh, I don't want to see, you know, this. Okay. I do not remember the trailer. Mm. I should have gone back and watched it. I try to avoid trailers before I watch movies for the show it's fair and then once i was done with this movie i didn't want to watch it anymore so i certainly didn't oh. go watch it then i am so sorry i have disappointed you oh terrible let's finish line. it here um this is kind of a run of movies that i haven't been super excited about Hmm. I'm really hoping that when you tell us what we're doing next week, you can do it with the enthusiasm of someone who knows I'm really going to enjoy what we're doing next. Okay. Because okay. I really want to enjoy what's coming up because I'm getting tired of feeling very lackluster okay. on these movies. So next week is a film called Sneakers. <laughs> which is about Mary McDonnell, great actress that we love. Was she in uh, yes. Back to the Future 3? Maybe not. Battlestar, yes. Battlestar. Yes, yes. Or was it maybe Steve? No, 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 that was Mary Maybe Steenberg, wasn't it? She's in Independence Day, Donnie Darko, and Battlestar Galactica, of course. Yes. If you ever watched Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Okay, I didn't. It's really good. Mm. Is it though? You don't trust my opinion on things no, after I, I hated I, this movie you loved. So I watched the first season. I was like, "Oh, this is dark. This is this is a series of its time." Let's put it that way. Um, Mary McDonnell um, has tried to move on with her life, but her um, ex-partner Robert Redford keeps coming back to her, and they end up going through shenanigans where. Uh, they fall in love and have a happily ever after. It's a romantic comedy. You are lying to me. <laughs> but I really like Mary McDonald and I like Robert Redford. So I'm going to set the expectation that I will enjoy this movie. That it will at the very least entertain me. It also stars Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Ben Kingsley. All right. River Phoenix. Awesome. And Sidney Poitier. That's a great cast. Who is one of the finest actors who has ever lived. So that is a fantastic cast. It's a. Cast I mean, granted, that half, doesn't mean it? a movie's going to be good. I mean, look at Cats from this last year, but <laughs> no, it no, at least no, 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 no. You remember how every example I gave about films I don't like and don't want to see is that they have Dame Judi Dench in them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. She's my canary. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. 
All right. I, I'm setting the bar that I will at least be entertained. It's described here as a comedy caper. Mm. Okay. Comedy, comedy capers can be comedy good. Comedy thriller, I would say. But, you know. I feel like comedy and thriller are mutually exclusive. Exactamundo. Okay. Mm. Interesting. So we're hyping it up. Hyping it up. This is this is where you like things because they've been hyped up. Mm. Mm. Ooh, it has anagrams in it. Puzzles. Okay. Okay. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> we will see. I'm kind of tempted to, you know, when they start doing anagrams, pause it and see if you can work out what it's going to be. <laughs> I feel like you're setting me up for failure. We'll talk next week. All right. <laughs> Folks, here's what I need from you. I need you to go on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you can get in touch with us and suggest movies that you know I will like. Because I really want to watch a good movie for this podcast again. That's not a sequel to something else. Like, I mean, John Wick 3 was a given that I was going to like because it's in the franchise. Like, I want a standalone movie that I've never seen before, that I should have seen, and I will enjoy. I'm not asking for too much here. So please, tell us what we should put in our list coming up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or you can just contact us directly on Twitter. I am on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I am at Matthew Vose. Because basically you're looking for that run where we had Whip It and Whale Rider. I mean, that's two movies. Is that a run? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> we have done a lot of movies on this show that I have really enjoyed. Mm. Like, I would say we've watched way more movies that I have enjoyed than movies I haven't enjoyed. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's just, I feel like they've clumped up on us a little bit here. Okay. Okay. Right, That's we need all. to find something. We are completely funded by our amazing patrons through Patreon. If you support us, you can give $1 a month and upwards, and it gives you access to exclusive content, a bonus content, and extra shows, and early shows, and physical merch. We send out magnets and cards and all sorts of exciting things. And the main thing is it helps to support the network. It helps to support us deliver these shows. So if you like the shows, if you think we're great and worth supporting and you're enjoying the content you get from us, then go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing to find out more. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about this movie called Sneakers. So until then, I am Mandy Kay. And who killed the world? Did you just forget you were supposed to talk there? <laughs> yes, I was researching something. <laughs> Pop Culturally Deprived is an eloquent gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.